What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brown Petri Dish. Today's episode, we recorded early as fuck. Um, no, I uh, we talked to Dan Brown this week, and uh, he, very funny comedian, good friend of mine. He's helped me out a lot past through the past couple years of doing comedy. Um, and his Dry Bar Comedy Special is coming out this week, so look out for that. I can't remember the exact date, but Dan does talk to it to us about it fuck me i'm not gonna start over he talks about it on the podcast and uh he'll tell you the date on there uh yeah this was an early episode because i went to columbus friday night and had a great time with jimmy Killius and completely forgot to schedule the podcast for this weekend so we ended up doing it on Sunday. We usually record on Saturdays. Uh, Brandon had uh, something to go to. And then the Browns game was Sunday. So we did it at like 9 o'clock in the morning. I was not fully awake yet. Um, I was eating breakfast and drinking coffee on the podcast. So if you hear me chewing, I'm sorry. I tried to turn the volume down whenever that happened. But uh, that's life, you know. Shit's unplanned, and we still have to put out a podcast, so we did it. We've been wanting to have Dan on for a while. He wanted to wait until his dry bar was about to come out um, so we could talk about that, and uh, I'm excited about that. It's always cool whenever one of your friends gets a, gets something that's kind of a big deal for him, so look out for that. Watch that when it comes out, and uh, see Dan whenever he's around, man. He does a lot of shows in the area. I'm doing a uh, show with him October 22nd or 3rd, 23rd, I think. I don't know. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun time. Um, This is a long intro. I'm sorry. I'm not really... uh, sure what's it oh yeah what do we talk about we talk about um we don't talk about brian laundry this week i think that's the dude's name no we, we were done we're done with that story we're not giving any more attention except for me giving it attention right now which i didn't want to do fuck me um we talk about uh police mm, mandated vaccines not police mandating vet not police like enforcing mandates uh police departments getting mandated to get the vaccine we talked about that um i don't know what else just listen it was a good episode have a good day everybody come back next week we've ever done a podcast so i got my coffee and my breakfast next to me and uh i'll try to, my monster yeah i'll try to uh turn down my mic when i'm chewing um <laughs> uh yeah dan how you been man i'm doing great how you doing brother not too bad uh brandon how you doing 
Oh, I'm I'm waking up. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you guys waking up right now. I've been awake for three hours. So, oh man, dude, I do you I, always get up this early, or how does this go? I got two kids, brother. Oh, okay. So you just always get up this <laughs> early. I got two kids. I got two kids, two dogs. The uh, the Saint Bernard woke me up at six, and then I couldn't fall back asleep, so I just started doing some stuff. Oh, oh my god. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, we. I went to Columbus for a show with Jimmy Killius on Friday, and uh, I didn't realize we we ended up going out afterwards and going to two two mics, and uh, we didn't end up getting back to my house till four o'clock in the morning, and I had I had woken up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work on Friday, so <laughs> I was like twenty three hours with no sleep driving back from Columbus. It was. That's pretty. Rough. That's awful. Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> Had a good time though. I I I, uh, I got a bad first impression of Columbus when I went there, um, and uh, and this this time changed my mind a little bit. So I think it was different because we were brought into the mic scene with people that were a part of the scene. Whereas, yeah. Whereas before I was just showing up there as an outsider, so it was a little. It was a little different this time, but it was it was fun. Yeah, I heard uh, Columbus can be pretty clicky. Yeah, with that kind of with that kind of shit. So yeah, that's the, that's the vibe I got. And the bartender at the at the bar where they have their Friday open mics was uh, was a was a pretty big bitch last time, and uh, and uh, <laughs> it was no different this time. She was uh, she was pretty, <laughs> a pretty big bitch again, pretty huh? Big bitch, she was slamming down drinks and. Yelling at people, it was great. Um, so you, at the end, you realize that she's just a bitch. It has yeah. nothing to do with the fact that you're from out of town, right? You know, same yeah. to everybody. Yeah, yeah, man, it was it was fun though. What have uh, what have you been up to, Dan? Uh, not too much. I had a show on Thursday in Maryland, in um, at the Rocky Gap Casino. Uh, it's a bonkers comedy club. Well, it's kind of, it's like an event hall inside the casino that bonkers does shows at like every Thursday or, you know, Thursdays twice a month or something. That was a really good time. Um, what sucked though is I hurt my back the day before working out and I hurt my back again, working out two weeks before that. So on Thursday, just standing on stage for 35 minutes was brutal. Like I couldn't breathe at the end of it. My last joke, I had to sit down on the stool and I'm like gasping for air, which if you know anything about my last bit, it's where I do that big emotional breakdown yeah. about, you know, the high school reunion. So it kind of played in with that. But when I got <laughs> on stage, I uh, I left the room and I sat up against the wall in the hallway and I, I just I could not move. Oh, that sucks, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's... it's a good thing I'm not a headliner yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, that's what was, uh, weird about that, about that show we went to Columbus to do was it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be, uh, me doing 10 minutes and, uh, and Jimmy doing 10 minutes. And then, well, it turned out Jimmy was supposed to do a guest set because the person that was supposed to do 10 minutes with me canceled. Um, and so it was supposed to be, it ended up being, uh, one of the headliners canceled. So they were like, can you do 20? Oh, and cool. I, and I was like, yeah, sure. That's cool. Um, for more money. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so we get there and they tell us that, uh, the other headliner canceled as well. So, wow. yeah. So I closed out the show and it was, 
and it was pretty it was pretty fun but uh but yeah i guess one of them got a got a cruise line gig and one of them got a opening spot at helium so they, oh yeah you can't yeah can't be upset about that right no. right so but but yeah it's it's crazy man yeah doing doing comedy when you're in any like pain or not feeling right or anything is rough man if you're not like because it's all about your it's all about your comfortability and your and your confidence on stage so when you're not feeling good or whatever it's gotta it's it sucks a little bit people can definitely tell too yeah always i I can't even do comedy high it's it's some i wish i could do (laughs) doesn't work I, I haven't done comedy high since my first like three months doing comedy. That was <laughs> that was uh, I used to do it every time high, and then I did it one time. I did a show one time with Brandon that I didn't get high, and I uh, was a lot better. And I'm like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys know this. I have done every single set sober. Yeah, yeah. I you do never not try drink. It. Yeah, don't drink. I've never gotten high. Never even tried it. Uh, don't the not drinking is is honestly I hate to say it, more impressive just because yeah. usually at these gigs they offer you free drinks. Well, I'm a I'm straight edge. Uh, oh, okay. It's something so I don't, don't talk do about anymore. Um, just because well, too late now I, you're already on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like in 2021, <laughs> if I at, at 33 years old, I had to explain what straight edge is to people. Like most of the time, I, I you you look at them. And you just see everything's just going right over their head. Like yeah. they're not picking up. If you have to explain what it is to them at this point. Not worth um, it. So then they're like, oh, is it about, you know, religion? I'm like, no, it's from punk rock. And then they're even more lost. I'm like, yeah, I just don't drink. I don't drink. <laughs> Let's yeah. leave it there. That is yeah. kind of confusing, though, to jump to. No, it's from punk rock. And they're like, well, that doesn't sound very sober at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, um, you know, all that that means when when. Dan says he's straight edge is that he makes more money than we do because <laughs> because when I went down to Columbus I made I made uh, a little bit of money that I shouldn't have came home with I shouldn't have came home with ten dollars and that's what happened so <laughs> and, and, yeah I woke up and I had ten dollars in my wallet in the morning I'm like god damn it like what is that you well, John, you were acting like to... I am taking these big money gigs. You are no. acting like I am not beneath no. going four hours out of my way for seventy five dollars. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that you make more money than we do because because you don't drink. That's yeah. That's I got you. <laughs> you don't give. Is your that money entice, back. Uh, <laughs> Does that entice venues to feel bad if they offer you like free drinks to do a show or something like that? Or how does that work? Do you try to like um, spin it into like let me get a burger instead? You know what? At, at some of the places, they're like, oh, have something to drink. I'm like, no, thank you. I don't drink. And then th- the next day, they're like, hey, how about you have something to drink? I'm like, no, thank you. I don't drink. So most of the time, they don't remember in the first place. <laughs> so and they just peer like, pressure the shit out of you. Exactly. I, I come back the next day like, hey, man, doesn't this look like fun? <laughs> drink up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, usually like it, at some of these places, you know, they offer you a drink. They offer you a little bit of food, which is cool. Um Half the time, I don't even take the food either because I get paranoid. Like if I eat before I go on stage, I get like that um, that reflux thing where it's like you're you're not like full out belching, but yeah, you're kind of like burping on stage a little bit, and it, it's it's embarrassing. So I just stick I stay away from that as, as much as possible. Yeah, 
I thought I thought you were gonna say that you got paranoid that they were gonna put alcohol in the burger and be like, yeah, it's gonna take my fucking drink, will you? Yeah, have some extra. Well, I wasn't thinking about that steak. before, but now I am. Yeah, <laughs> they're out to get you. Uh, yeah, I don't like I don't like eating before going on stage either. It's it's always it's always bad. You're just, I think it's um, an energy thing. Yeah, too. Mm. Like it feels like it slows you down. Yeah, plus you don't want to like have to take a shit right before you go on stage and then get caught in the bathroom, you know? That's <laughs> Oh, you know, that happened to me before. Well, not <laughs> happening to me, but I was emceeing at Hilarities back in 2016 uh and the headliner's Rob Schneider. And I think it was the second show on Saturday. Um I go up on stage, I do my stuff, I bring up Brian Kenny, he's uh middling, he's featuring. He's just rocking the house, killing it. And then right as I'm about to go on stage, um, one of the managers comes by and says, hey, we need you to do a couple minutes. Rob's taking a shit. Uh, <laughs> 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 Which don't get me wrong. Like, I had the time. Yeah. But, like, right as I'm going on stage to bring the feature off stage, it's kind of a poor time to tell somebody, like, hey, you got to go up there and do a couple minutes. It, yeah. It's like, you know you can do it, yeah. but even just a minute of, to to prep you know what i mean just yeah. say okay i'm going to tell this joke this joke just this joke and just be done with it i mean exactly. i was told seconds before go, running on stage to get it yeah i had that situation last friday um at funny stop the host didn't show up and it was like and it was like two minutes till showtime and i was just sitting there like wanting to get a guess at and uh and i was like pete who's hosting he's like you host and i'm like <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, Blake Townsend was there, and he's never gotten to host a funny stop. So I was like, give it to Blake. Yeah. And he was like, I'll let him host second show. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And then he comes up to me, and two minutes before showtime, and then he comes up to me and starts rattling off all this shit he wants me to advertise for. And I was like, Pete, yeah. I was like, Pete stop. And he was like, I'm like, I've done this before. Like, you don't have to. You don't have to do your advertising spiel. Like, I know I have to advertise for people. I need a second to think about what I'm gonna do. And then he's mm -hmm. like, and he's like, okay, we start the show. And he like walk, runs around and like goes that back to the booth. I'm like, God damn it! Like, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> so I just doesn't tell you how much away. time you're doing nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm still blown away with this Rob Schneider taking a shit thing. Like, how big of a celebrity do you have to be, <laughs> right, before you're able to be late? And in that amount of time, somebody's gonna come up there and do stand up until you get there. Like, that is the coolest thing. Yeah. Did they have somebody yeah. in the back like waving whenever he was done with his shit? Like. So uh, as soon as I get on stage, the other uh, the other manager of the place did one of these things, you know, let me know, stretch for time. So I just go up there. I'm like, yeah, keep it going for Brian. Um, you know, I told you before, check out hilarities.com for upcoming shows, events, information. Like next month, we got this person, this person. I do the typical thing. Uh, and then I, I lead into. It's not quite like one of those like, hey, is anybody celebrating a birthday or anniversary? I was trying to do that because. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, because essentially I'm opening up another set. And for me, I like to get the, the audience clapping and I like to start off with good news because it, it, it really makes the people, I feel like if you get them clapping to start off in the first place, like, all right, we're, we're getting them going. It's a good mood. You know, that's why, uh, who's that guy? Tony Robbins, that, uh, self-help piece of shit guy. Is that <laughs> yeah, him? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm Robbins. pretty sure it's, yeah. He, he always gets people to say yes, yes, and clap along with him. So I'm essentially um, an, a less funnier Tony Robbins. 
Because <laughs> mainly people aren't paying $5,000 a ticket to see my lazy ass. <laughs> yeah, but you can help their positivity just as much. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I tell them, uh, you know, hey, celebrating birthdays, anniversaries. Here's something else I'm celebrating here. And then I, I do about a quick minute or two. And then I see Rob Schneider walking from the back. And I'm like, well, enough about me. You know, your headliner this evening has done 97 movies with Adam Sandler or whatever the number is that he gave me. <laughs> and brought him on stage. And then he just, uh, Rob Schneider did his thing then at that point. Yeah. I've never seen his stand up, but I imagine it's uh, it's pretty. He's he's a funny guy, so I'm sure it's good. Uh, oh, he uh, he before. sold the place out. Yeah, he made him happy. Yeah, he uh, must have ate before his set, and that's why he had to take a <laughs> shit. Yeah, don't eat before your sets, people. It's a moral. Well, he's a, I believe he's vegan, so no meat whatsoever. And he came into the club with like a bag of vitamins. Like, oh my God. And I don't mean like what like a sandwich bag. It's like one of those things where it's like. One of those Ziploc bags where it's like you had chicken the night before <laughs> and your mom was like, hey, go go put it in the bag. And he came in with like a bag that big, just filled with vitamins. And he was taking them before the show. And part of me was like, is this guy on drugs or something? But he, he clearly is somebody who, who cared a lot about his body and yeah. a lot about his health. That's great. I guess so, man, to carry a sandwich bag full of vitamins around and yeah. got a Percocet <laughs> in there. OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so uh, something we ask everybody on the podcast, when, how long ago did you start doing comedy and where did you start at? I started March 27th, 2010 at the Funny Stop Comedy Club. It was a Saturday morning. And have you guys ever heard of the J-Bach MC class? No. 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 Well, back when uh, Jay was one of the bookers at Bogey's Comedy Club, he would make people take his class. Um if you wanted to MC the club, I think Pete thought, Hey, this seems like a good idea. So if you want to MC at funny stop, you're going to have to take this class. Um, I had not done anything with stand-up comedy whatsoever up to this point. So this was literally my introduction to it. Cause I had a buddy who was into acting and improv and he was like, yeah, take as many classes as you can get, you know, when you're getting started. Right. Um, yeah. You later find out that most classes are just bullshit. Worthless. And there's no necessary. <laughs> I, I didn't ask. Am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't fit. I figured you guys didn't care. Um, so that's the first thing I did. I got up on a Saturday morning. I drove out to Cuyahoga Falls. The very first person I ever met with stand-up comedy was Pete. Um, and that is <laughs> the, the exact person you want to meet uh, your first time through with stand-up. Yeah. And he's telling me how Steve Harvey uh, got started at, at <laughs> his old club and how Tammy Pescatelli got started and As how he, he puts does. everyone through. Yeah, yeah. and how uh, you know his club's better than Cleveland. And I walk in thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to see, like, this extravagant comedy club, like you would see on Comedy Central or something like that. And it's like there's paper of like just literally paper all over the walls of posters of like dustin diamond and yeah. jimmy jj walker and i'm like well this is different than i thought it would be <laughs> yeah man it's uh <clears throat> it hasn't changed classic. at all no it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's still my favorite it's still my favorite hang like you know Same like here. it's yeah it's there's no there's no other club in the area that has that that has that like bar where comics hang out at and shit like it's like hilarity is you you're in the showroom so you can't really talk you know and it's and it's uh that's that's one thing I love about doing comedy is the is the hangs with the with the comics and you're one of the few sober comics that still hangs out with everybody usually usually the sober comics won't <laughs> like will just 
do their shit and leave, you know? And yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I don't really know any sober comedians. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, that's, because like you said, no one hangs around. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I like talking with people. I like hanging around with the guys. Yeah. I, I like cracking jokes at each other's expense. I like finding out what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Hell, I like talking. I like talking to the Browns with people. I like talking wrestling with people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not my fault. Everyone drinks and I don't. Yeah. Well, there, there's a guy who hangs out funny stuff all the time who loves wrestling and, and drinks heavily and will still talk to you about wrestling. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't matter. He, he might, he might've been hosting last night. Um, <laughs> oh, was it? Uh, I don't know if you edited this. Was it right? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he did his. He did his thing where he says that uh, Pete Pete yelling in the back. He's like, it's like the it's like the getting yelled at by the Iron Sheik. And I'm like, I'm telling Drew Miller. I'm like, there's like maybe two people in that crowd who know who the Iron Sheik is. You know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what was fun? It's like uh if you ever try to compare like Pete's old tweets to the Iron Sheiks and be like <laughs> play a game like, hey, who said it? Um yeah. that'd be great. <laughs> uh but yeah you have uh you have a uh what year did you say you started? Twenty ten. Okay. And when did you start when did you start like featuring and what whatnot? Um, I started, let's see, I started in March, 2010, my, my first actual like feature road gig was in November, 2012. So I've been doing it for more than two years at that point. Like, don't get me wrong. I got on a few bar shows here and there, like comic produced shows where it's like, Hey, go up there and do like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, but like my first true paid feature set was in november 2012 i'll never forget it um i got it from uh i got it from this booker that i got through dave swenson uh did either of you guys take dave swenson's mc class um i'm sorry dave swenson's uh comedy class i did john did you did yeah Yeah. so i uh that was the other thing when i first got started i took dave swenson's uh workshop twice I, i took it you know within a couple months of getting started and then i took the very next class um the next time he had it around and I love Dave and I would always email him and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I got a question about this. What do you think about this? Hey, I'm starting to run an open mic. What is your suggestions? And just keeping that constant contact flow. Yeah. In 2012, I, I went through like this big life shift where I went through this breakup with somebody I was engaged with um, after like a year of just realizing like, Hey, this <laughs> we're very two we're two very different people who want two very different things in life um and then just went through like kind of a slump and then decided hey i'm gonna pump everything i can into comedy i'm gonna do 250 shows before this year's over and i looked at my calendar and i'm like okay i only did like six shows in january and i only did like 10 shows in february so i remember i made this in in march and by the end of the year i did 260 God damn. I was, I was, yeah, I was constantly telling Dave, I was like, hey, Dave, I'm at this number of shows. I'm planning on doing this. I'm planning on doing that. So I was keeping him in the loop. And when a booker reached out to him saying, hey, Dave, do you know anybody um, that can open shows? Dave was like, hey, I'll give you um, I'll give your phone number to this comedian I know named Dan Brown. Um, so it was Steve Bix with the Comedy Blast. I, I gave him a call and he was like, all right. Um, uh, I got to do it in his voice. He's like, listen, Dan Brown, this is Steve Bix with the Comedy Blast. Uh, you're going to be doing a show in 
your bum fuck Pennsylvania, wherever. All right, it's a clean show, so don't say fuck. Don't say shit. And, he'd, and he would tell me, like, okay, and don't say these racial slurs. And he would, like, <laughs> rattle them off. He's like, well, remember, it's a Christian show. So I don't want to hear you saying, God damn it, or Jesus Christ. He's like, I'd rather you say fucking shit than God damn it, or Jesus Christ. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm okay, I won't say any of them. <laughs> um, you know, so, do I get to say them right now? Yeah. <laughs> but Steve, I always tell people the no Steve is the love Steve. So the day of the show, I don't have like a smartphone at this time. I still, I'm still using a flip phone while everyone else has gotten the iPhone. Yeah. Um, I'm at work and he calls me and I'm able to, to leave and I, I pick up and he goes, all right, change of plans. You're not going here. I need you to go to St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. Um, it's up in the mountains. So make sure your gas, uh, your car has a bunch of gas and he's rattling it off. And he was like, all right, I'm sending you the information. I'm like, well, Steve, I, I, can you like, just tell me that he's like, the the name of the hotel and you know the address and the address of the place why the fuck can't you pull it up on your email I'm like because i don't have access to my email right now i'm at work and i don't have a smartphone so he rattles it off and i'm writing it down and i'm double checking with him and i'm like all right well the gig before was like three hours away and i wasn't getting a hotel now it's four and a half hours away i'm getting a hotel but i don't have any clothes with me so as soon as i get into town i go to walmart I get toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, you know, I, I buy just clothes for the morning because I, I hate wearing the same clothes two days in a row. Yeah. Uh, and this is this was a this was like my first not only my first like feature set, but it was also like my first real road gig where it was like, hey, we got a hotel for you. When you get to the place, they're going to have food. They're going to have uh, something for you to drink. Uh, you're going to do your set. It's like it was this incredible experience where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I get there and I'm told like, OK, you're doing 30 minutes up front. So it was just me and the headliner. And at this point, the most I had ever done on stage was 30 minutes. But it was at a couple of, you know, uh, you know, bars or I, yeah. I did this one open mic at a church. Um, I would do that every month where it had to be clean, which was cool. But, um, you know, I was doing it there, but it wasn't paid. You know, it wasn't a paid set. And this was 425 people, which is the most amount of people I had performed for at yeah. this part in time. So I threw up twice in the parking lot, just out of nerves. <laughs> and like, I'm talking to the headliner who was a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Alan Marks who uh, has, has left doing comedy, which is a shame because he's a wonderful human being. And he was so funny. Um, I told him how paranoid I was and how nervous I am. And I'm scared right now. And I've, n I've never done anything like this. And he was like, tell you what, do 15. Once you get to 15, you know, if you're killing, keep going. If you're not, you know, at least I'll, I'll make up that time. And I'm like, all right, good. And he was like, and if you do the whole 30 minutes, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> like just as a as a joke yeah game on <laughs> this is to this date my favorite show i ever done yeah and i'm not saying it was the best show but it was up until that point it was the best show i ever done but it's still my favorite because this is what solidified me in knowing i can do this i can keep going as a comedian um i did 32 minutes and the audience was just amazing just absolutely amazing the whole time and as i bring him on stage he shakes my hand and he pulls a dollar out and gives it to me right there. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You still, and then, you still uh, have the dollar. I still have the dollar. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And then after the show, he was like, all right. He was like, I'm going to talk to Steve. Um, if I'm opening anywhere in this area again, I'm requesting you. And he 
requested me a few more times. And then uh, a couple of days later, I get a phone call from Steve Bix. And he goes, hey, I heard the show went great. I got this other show for you. It's a clean show, so don't say fuck or shit. He's got to go through all the words you can't say again. Um, but yeah, that was my that was my first true uh, uh, road show, my first true feature spot there. So you were still in 2012. You were still printing out MapQuest directions. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was. And uh, right around 20... Right before Christmas 2012, uh, like a couple weeks before, I actually I got a GPS <laughs> the, the first time. Yeah. So how so how uh, how did the dry bar special come about? What How did you uh, how did you get yourself into that? So I, uh, I know a few people who did dry bar and kind of like anyone else where as a comedian, you're on Facebook or something and you find out about a show or you see somebody doing that and you kind of go all right, how can I do this? Right. You know what I mean? Um, it was a little bit of that and a little bit of, I, I feel like a lot of comedy that we see broadcasted now is not nearly the level of comedy as it was 15, 20 years ago. Like I remember being in high school watching Comedy Central Presents with Lewis Black and Kathleen Madigan and all of these like A-list comedians that are just knocking out of the park. And now you turn on the like the late show with Stephen Colbert yeah. and it's like you've never heard of any of these people and they're not as polished you know and I, and I feel bad saying it like this but as a comedian I'm just naturally cynical where I'm like what the fuck I'm better than these people and I should and I'm not saying I should be on TV I'm just saying like well fuck like how come they're getting stuff and you know why, why are they doing it with them? Like, I'm better than this person. What are they doing on TV? And then my wife finally went, well, quit bitching about it and just fucking apply to one of these places, which never, <laughs> never crossed yeah. my mind. Yeah. So I find out about dry bar. I got a couple of friends who did it and a couple of friends I, I reached out to. And I was just like, Hey, can I get like just the email of the person? I'm like, I, I just want the email um, and tell me what I, I need. And uh, they gave me the email. They told me what I need to do. And for about six months, I kept applying every month, sent the email, sent the email, sent the email, no response. Um, and the lead up for this, you also need a, a 20 to 25 minute long clean video. Yeah. So yeah. essentially, like if you show up on our stage, you know, not that you have to do the set word for word, but we know that you can do what we're looking for. Type yeah, of thing. right. Yeah, I was at Pony Stop when uh, when Ray DeVito recorded his clean twenty yeah. minutes that that he used for Dry Bar, and that's the thing. Like a lot of these places, though, you get there and they don't necessarily want clean comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like sometimes it not that you're doing bad, but they just want a little bit more oomph. They want you to say fuck. They want you to say shit. They want you to talk a little bit dirtier to them. Yeah. So I had to find you know places where I'm like, all right, this is where my set's going to do the best. Um, so I got the video. I'm sending them out with nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, I, I record a new set. And it was with uh, my buddy Eric Thompson and Bill Barranque out at a show in Youngstown. I was, I'm seeing the show. I was only doing 20 minutes. And I'm like, hey, Eric, because Eric was the one running it. Can I do 25? It would mean the world to me because I'm trying to do this. And Eric was like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I do the 25. And I'm, I'm only doing like... I'm doing well, but I'm not like killing, killing. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. You guys yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing well, but where I put the camera was where people were laughing the hardest in the room. 
Oh, okay. so <laughs> it's like I manipulated yeah. this video on accident. Yeah. Um, I sent it in and uh, I started using a different email at that point too. Cause uh, comedians out there using Yahoo switch that shit to Gmail. Cause sometimes your shit goes to, um, uh, to spam without you realizing it. I, I learned that the hard way. I switched Gmail um, within two months. I got a message back from the guy that booked it just saying, Hey, um, saw your video. Uh, I think you'd be good for it. You know, send me your available dates. I sent him the available dates. He offered me a date. And a couple hours later, I signed the contract. Yeah. That's awesome. That's incredible. How was, how, uh, how was Provo? Oh, <laughs> dude. So I heard it's like the Twilight Zone or like fucking Stepford Wives or some shit like that. Like it's, it just. So the, the whole experience was surreal to me because I have never <laughs> taken an airplane for a gig before. Yeah. Everything I've ever done, I've I've driven to. I've done I've done shows twenty hours away, and I've <laughs> I would break the drive up in a couple of days for that. <laughs> so I get on the airplane and I'm just freaking out because I hate flying just so much. I'm terrified, and I get there and I'm like, hey, I don't do this much. And the guy's like, yeah, you're, this is where you're supposed to be. It's a four and a half hour long flight. As soon as I get on the flight, I they have um, like Direct TV on the the thing so you can pick whatever movie you want to watch i watch uncle buck i'm putting myself in a better mood i'm feeling good i love uncle buck after 90 minutes i realized i still got like another three hours off of this plane so i watched uncle buck again (laughs) 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 and now i'm feeling really good i get off the plane i'm in salt lake city and it's like the first time seeing like real mountains like I've driven through the, yeah. the mountains through Pennsylvania and, and Virginia and, and those places. But it's like you look out and you see the actual Rocky Mountains and it's like breathtaking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get the rental car. I drive the Provo and I get there. I'm like, all right, this is a pretty cool town, actually. Like I hear people like <laughs> like you said, it's like the Twilight Zone. But I'm like, all right, this is pretty neat. I check into the hotel. I find a couple places to eat. They had some good burger spots over there. And. I uh I get to the club and I'm telling you these people could not have been nicer at the club. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and the more the longer you guys do it, the more places you're going to go. You're going to find that some of these club places like treat you like shit. I I was treated like a king the moment I walked in. It, with the exception of them asking like, "Hey, can we take your coat?" Like I would, <laughs> "Hey, come on over here. We got somebody. They're going to do your makeup. You know how, how are you doing? Did you make the flight in? Uh, you oh you made it in today. How was the flight? Everything good." Uh, we're glad you you got here. Um, you know, just give you a couple minutes. Why don't you use the bathroom? We'll get you some water over there. You know, we'll record your, um, you know, at the time they were they're recording videos for um, the comedians asking for tips and, hey, make sure you download the new app type of thing. Yeah. Do it. Um, as soon as I get there, I'm like, okay, well, here's our menus. We're going to be back here in a little bit. Just decide what you want. And just from the moment I got there, the people could not have been sweeter. Just absolutely not. And I get on stage and of course I'm nervous uh, because this is the biggest show I've done in my comedy career. Yeah. How many people, how many people was it? uh, The place was sold out for both shows. 300, maybe 350. Okay. I mean, it's, it's deceivingly big. Um, You know, if you ever see pictures, they just show like the one shot where it's like, Oh, it looks like maybe they got a hundred people there. It's like, no, they fill the room out. Yeah. Um, Do they make you say a a prayer to Joseph Smith before you go on stage? (laughs) (laughs) No prayers to Joseph Smith, but I signed the contract on November 11th in 2019. 
And the show is January 18th, 2020. So from the 11th of November to the 18th of January, I was just a neurotic mess. I don't know if you can see behind me. I actually have a stage in my basement. Yeah. Um, I was practicing any night. I was not doing comedy. I was on stage practicing my set for dry bar. That's Um, I turned the lights off. I had the spotlight on me. I was making sure I was trying to get rid of as many ums and errs. Uh, I was making sure I don't, you know, I don't slip up. You know, I was just constantly in my head. And uh, Bill Barranque, uh, one of my best friends, very funny comedian, while I was on the plane, sent me an email. So I wouldn't receive it until I touched down. And if you know anything about Bill, he is just the biggest ball buster around. Yeah. He, he loves to yeah. <laughs> he, he loves being sarcastic. He's such a funny guy. This was one of the sweetest emails I've ever gotten in my life. And I'm <laughs> I'm the cheapest person alive. Like I, I get this nice payday gig with Drybar. You know, the other guys over at the Marriott <laughs> down the street. <laughs> I'm at the Days Inn for, for 50 bucks. I got the smallest rental car and I'm sitting on the last seat of the plane right next to the toilet. <laughs> so we land, I get the email and I read it and just telling me that I deserved this. Um have fun. He knows I'm nervous, but just go out there, have fun. Um, and it told me, it was like, just live in the moment. Yeah. It was like, uh, I forgot what story he was talking about. It was about when uh, they tore down the Berlin wall where the news producer told the cameraman, Hey, stop running for a minute. Like just take in what you're, what's going on. We're living in history. Right. So he told me, he was like, make sure you, you take it in. So, I was incredibly nervous, but at the same time, I'm like, this might be the biggest show I ever do. Like, I might not do anything past dry bar, which yeah. is fine. You know, it, I, I need to enjoy my time while I'm having it here. Um, went up on stage and the first show could not have been more electric. Yeah. Just yeah. absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I, I got off stage and I'm feeling great. And somebody was like, did you get a standing ovation? And I'm like, I have no clue. I ran off stage <laughs> as soon as the set was up. Cause that's the one thing, like you see, like in most of the videos, the audience gives them a standing ovation and they're clapping. But most of the time the comedian is like out there for like a minute, staring down the audience until they give them the standing ovation for the camera. I'm like, I am not doing that shit. Yeah. But after the first set, I was like, I, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? That was the furthest thing from my mind. Like, Thank you. I'm Dan Brown. Have a good night. You guys were awesome. Turn around leave yeah (laughs) didn't pay attention the second show not as good as the first but still a good show you know it's one of those things where i'm like you know if they put this one out i certainly wouldn't be embarrassed you know i would be proud of it and uh i got the i got the final cut a couple days ago and uh they picked the second show Uh, (laughs) 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 which i know because i added two jokes to the second show i did not do to the first show and I was like, ah, God damn it. Why did I even do these jokes in the first place? <laughs> that's sure enough. That's where they're at. Oh, man. Yeah. You didn't start but off. Hey, it was in January of 2020. It was in January 2020. So you, you didn't start off your set by being like, good thing this virus is over in China. Uh, no, no. 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 <laughs> but what was great was I was talking about um, <laughs> one of my first jokes is the, the one about um, breaking into cars. Uh, you know, when there's an animal inside, legally you can break in and, yeah. you know, save the animal. Um, 
so I, I I'm like, listen, I'm not a political comedian. It's 2020. We all have, <laughs> we're all going to be sick of, of anything politics, you know, over the course of the year. So within like five minutes, I'm like, listen guys, it's 2020. Or I'm like, all right, this is not going to age well eventually when it does air. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that's uh, the, that's, that's the problem with this whole, with this whole pandemic thing is that like the, the, Things you say, like you really, I really started to be more careful about what I say to start out a set because my one, yeah. my one uh, really good submission tape I got um, after the Rubber City Festival tape that I got, the uh, latest one that I got, I, it was whenever the numbers were real low mm-hmm. and I started out the set by being like, I'm glad we're to the end of this pandemic and then fucking like just shot back up and i'm like well, i can't i can't use this tape now it makes me sound like an asshole like what the, like, it does what? yeah well, when the, the numbers uh... were low i was asking people and i was trying to get like a new video too because you always, that's the other thing you always want to get new videos right um you always want to keep your video updated i was asking people i was like so how was your pandemic glad it's over yeah. uh <laughs> same exact thing yeah I find the only thing I really find safe is when I start off, I just yell, stop the steal into the microphone and we'll see you next January. <laughs> and that, that, that seems to be ageless. No matter what, that's going to be fine. I found, I found a way to I found a way to uh, uh, keep using my mask joke because I'm now I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I was pumped when I got vaccinated because they told us if you got vaccinated, you didn't have to wear a mask. And then a month later, they're like. All right, guys, we have to wear mask again, and I'm like, "This is bullshit." And then I go into my mask <laughs> joke, and it and it works. Um, but that's that's something. It's like I wonder how long, like the the that's the one pandemic joke that I have that like that like isn't. I'm not gonna be able to use it after it's over. You know, like the rest of yeah. them, I can adjust to to like after the pandemic. But that one, like, it's pretty much a. I don't know. Maybe I can be like, remember when we had to wear masks? That sucked. Like, I don't, I don't know. Think, like, it. A lot <laughs> yeah. of my jokes, like I, I talk about things that happened in the past where, you know, I can't say like my kid had a birthday party a year ago at Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Maybe I'm thinking too much in my head, but in my opinion, everyone knows there was no Chuck E. Cheese a year ago. When I talk about, you know, oh, last year during the baseball season, I performed at seven different minor league baseball games yeah there was no minor league baseball the year before you know what i mean there's yeah. no it so it's they one of those do, things where i'm like do minor league baseball with no fans what's that they didn't just do minor league baseball no. with no fans really no during Aren't that they season usually? they had um they canceled the minor league season <laughs> yeah um they kept most of their minor league guys on the roster um but they would send them to like their single a or double a park just to get their training in and they had to be in their own bubble too okay Damn, yeah. that's a commitment. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, we got a little bit. We got a little bit of news to get into uh, real quick before we get the dance comedian. Um, we always do a couple news stories. I only got three today because it's fucking nine o'clock in the morning, so it's <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too uh, quick to get clips done. Um, this is uh, from CBS News about uh, the Biden White House uh, refusing to hold Trump's records. Tonight, we are following a significant development in the Capitol riot investigation. The White House will not block Congress from obtaining Trump-era records related to the January 6th insurrection. CBS's Chris Van Cleve joins us now. So Chris, how would this impact the congressional investigation? 
Well, Margaret, late today, Mr. Trump blasted the Biden administration, saying Democrats are drunk on power. His lawyers had sought to block the release of these Trump-era White House documents that pertain to the former president's false claims of election fraud and the run-up to January 6th. We have also learned that former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows does appear to be engaging with the House Committee investigating January 6th. but. Former White House advisor Steve Bannon's lawyers say following Mr. Trump's claim of executive privilege, Bannon will not comply with his subpoena. The committee says it is considering holding Bannon in contempt of Congress. Margaret. I just love I just love that this was a, this was a, recru- a request by Trump to Biden to hold back his records for what he did on January 6th. And it's like, it's like, hey, man, I know we had that thing, but uh, can you... Like, <laughs> Can you do me this solid right here? No, I should be like, hey, sorry, Trump. I didn't get your message. I was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you know Joe. Can you delete my email history, buddy? You mind <laughs> clearing my internet history out before we uh, release this to the public? Yeah, it's just crazy <laughs> to me that they would even request that from the Biden administration. Like, hey, hold, hold. You know that thing you're investigating that we did uh, that we said that you weren't president? Like, can you hide everything we did with that? Like, it's, it's uh, I wonder who the first one's going to break and start snitching. I, I would say probably Mark Meadows because he still wants to be in politics at some point. Yeah. I don't. Well, it's weird because someone like Steve Bannon has been pardoned. Yeah. So here's the thing. Steve Bannon has to tell the truth under oath. Yeah. Because he's already been pardoned. Nothing he nothing he admits to now is going to affect the past because like I said, he's already been pardoned for it. Doesn't matter. He can't be held for it. Yeah. However, you can be held for lying under oath. Yeah. Yep. Well and that's and contempt why, of Congress. Con- yeah. yeah, contempt. Yeah. And that's why he's he's trying to avoid the subpoena and and uh gonna end up getting probably getting arrested for contempt of Congress because he he knows that he has to tell the truth under oath, and he also knows that if he tells the truth under oath, his his platform is going to be destroyed because absolutely nobody that listens to Steve Bannon is going to continue to listen to Steve Bannon if he takes down Trump. You know, it's just not. It's just not. I just can't believe people can just be like, "Oh, I got subpoenaed, but I'm not going to comply with it. I'm just going to ignore it." What? That's <laughs> yeah. that's not how that works. Yeah, that's what would I, happen to, to the three of us if we just ignored right. a subpoena. Well, they're talking about that they haven't arrested us. Yeah, that they haven't arrested anybody for contempt of Congress for ignoring uh, subpoenas in like a hundred years. It's been, and it's like it's not right at all because, like, like you said, if it was us, we'd we'd be arrested immediately. Like you know, I mean, yeah. it's it's not an option for regular people. It shouldn't be an option for for politicians. Um, but yeah, that was that was something interesting. I thought this this uh, next story is is to do with the vaccine mandates and uh, uh, how it's affecting police departments across the country. This is from NBC News. In police departments nationwide, a crush of vaccine mandates are a flashpoint for officers faced with rolling up their sleeves or losing their jobs. Seattle's police force planning for an October 18th deadline with hundreds still unvaccinated. Please look yourself in the mirror and ask, are you doing the right thing by removing people who are willing 
to continue to serve this community. The backup plan for Seattle PD if they lose significant staffing is to use all on-duty sworn personnel from detectives to training employees on foot patrol, responding to 911 calls if needed. And it's not just police unions bristling. In Los Angeles, the sheriff is outright rejecting a county order to vaccinate his force. The deadline was October 1st. Issues become so politicized, there are entire groups of employees that are willing to be fired and laid off rather than get vaccinated. Other high-profile conflicts include Tucson, Arizona, where the city now faces a lawsuit from the police union. We have the legal duty and the legal obligation to provide and maintain a safe and healthy workplace for its employees. And New York City, as Mayor Bill de Blasio eyes a mandate for police and other agencies, despite strong opposition from the union. The broad point, the courts have said it is our right as employers to do this in the context of a global pandemic. The urgency comes as more men and women in blue are dying from COVID. Recent funerals in Florida and Alabama highlighting a staggering trend. According to the Fraternal Order of Police, more than 700 officers have died from COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic, making it not only a public health crisis, but a public safety crisis, too. I mean... Here's... Nobody wants to work anymore! Here's the thing, man. Like, like, you work, you're a public, you're a public servant. Like, if you didn't want vaccine mandates, don't take that job, because that's... It's happened with every vaccine. Every vaccine is mandated to government employees. So it's like, yeah. I mean, once it's approved by the FDA, it's mandated. That's just how it goes with the, with if you're a public servant. Um, and as far as these police departments suing or these police unions suing the the government, like, go ahead. You're not going to win. It's it's Supreme Court precedent. Like, it's not yeah. it's not going to go away. Yeah, not the first time. I'd be pissed if I got a ticket and COVID. Yeah, well, oh, so fucking mad. Well, not only that, but it is, it is, it's, yeah, it is a public safety thing because they're working, they're working with the public more than anybody, other than like maybe EMS workers. But like you're, it's a, it's a risk to you more than anybody else because you're working with so many different people in the public. Like you, police and EMS workers are probably the most likely people to get COVID. So it's yeah. like you, you definitely. I mean, they said seven hundred and something police officers have died in in the past six months or whatever it was like that's well i think what they need to do here is tell the police that covid is actually a black male um, <laughs> we will see them get vaccinated and then we will we will then see all of the blue lives matter people get vaccinated as well too because it's like we got to fight covid yeah. um it's our number one enemy and then they're, they're going to be wondering why we don't have a covid lives matter rally but uh doesn't matter they're doing they're doing their own research anyway they're not going to realize he's not a real person uh, <laughs> uh i heard i heard this uh i forget who it was but somebody somebody we heard I think we had it last week on the podcast, maybe, was, like, telling these people that say that they've done their research. It's like, let me see your research lab. Like, what the... Yeah. Like, where, where's that Where's that at? Like, what... Are you doing, like, uh, Kyrie Irving this, this week, like, has refused to get the COVID vaccine, and the Brooklyn Nets are actually trying to figure out how to... how to uh, accommodate him. By he's not going to be able to play in any Brooklyn Nets home games, and there's like ten other games that he's not going to be able to play in. So he's so he's going to lose like fifteen million dollars over the season for not getting the vaccine. 
And it's like, dude, you could do anything to me for $15 million. Like, I don't, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like anything, like, I don't, I don't inject me with what you want at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, my dad, uh, my dad worked at the steel mill for, um, for 40 years. Um, he just retired, but before he did, they, um, they were offering the workers, like if you get the vaccine, you get $1,300. And if 70% of people get vaccine, then there's going to be like a $3,000 bonus, which they didn't, did not reach. But one of the people he was working with had a sticker like on his hard hat with like a shot with the the circle with the vine through it and goes, yeah, I don't believe in getting this COVID vaccine. And then when they started offering money, he took the sticker off. It was like, dude, if you're willing to sell your beliefs <laughs> yeah. for $1,300, yeah. you, you don't have beliefs right. at that point. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. Clearly strong. you didn't morally find it, you know, unattractive. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to another comedian. I won't name him. Um, but uh, he said, he said, I respect Kyrie for sticking to his principles. And I was like, yeah, well, his principles are also that the Earth is flat and dinosaurs aren't real. So, I mean, is he really a, a a dinosaur denier? Yes. Yeah, I did was, not. I did not know of, that. That was one of the things he has stated. I believe that's one of the things that he said he was that he was kidding about at some point that he apologized for, but he's still. I don't think he ever apologized for saying the Earth was flat. Um, I remember being in ninth grade wondering if dinosaurs were actually real. <laughs> like, I, but in like in ninth grade, I had wondered that when you're like 14 years old, you're like, yeah, you know, is this real or is this like some kind of stunt? Like, how can we only find them in America? And then I found out, like, no, you're just a dumb shit. They were everywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, when it comes to being like an influencer to kids, like Kyrie Irving, I mean, was at one time. I don't know if he still is. Um, like, I think you should probably apologize for the flat Earth thing more than the dinosaur thing. Dinosaurs don't really matter. It kind of yeah. matters that kids know that the Earth's not flat. Um, <laughs> There's like this that. excellent channel on YouTube called What If. It's like all scientific based. Yeah. And it's like, what if the Earth was flat? And they go, they actually give you an example. Like, okay, let's say the Earth is flat. And let's say there's that wall of ice that surrounds the Earth, like everyone's saying. It's like, the further you get away from the center of Earth, you won't be able to walk. Like, because yeah. the gravity is just that strong you know what i mean yeah like everything is just pushing down it they actually break it down in ways that like idiots like myself can understand and be like oh this is really interesting and this is why all of these things are bullshit yeah the one thing i always said um we, i have a flat earther that i work with and uh he was trying to he's like just he's like i don't believe in it i just like i think it's interesting you know that's what they all that's what they all say because yeah. i don't want to admit that they're flat earther but uh he's like showing me these videos and shit and i'm like well dude uh you definitely believe it, first of all. And second, like, tell me this. Where do we ship the most goods to? And he was like, China. And I was like, all right, so why is our biggest shipping port in Oakland? And he was like, yeah. and I was I was like, what they, they, they ship out of Oakland and sail, sail around everything to, to go back to China across the world? Like, is that, is that your theory? Like, wouldn't they have our biggest shipping ports on the East Coast if... If the Earth was flat, and he was like, "I never thought about that. I'll uh, I'll look into that and get back to you." And he, and he never <laughs> got just, back to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just shitting on all the great things Columbus did. You know? Well, he's doing yeah. all his research right now, man. <laughs> we got one more news story. It's short, and then we'll get to uh, dance comedian. This is uh, from CBS LA, a new law that they put into effect this week. 
California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a new law making it illegal to secretly remove a condom during sex. The law was passed with unanimous approval in the state assembly and state senate. The law makes removing a condom without verbal consent from your partner an act of sexual battery, and anyone who violates the law can be sued. According to the Associated Press, California is the first state to pass such a law. Katie Johnston for CBSN Los Angeles. I think it's hilarious. She didn't say it in that report, but I think it's hilarious. They call it stealthing, which is <laughs> like it's probably not that stealthy. No, no. And I wonder what if it happens by accident. And like was, that's exactly my question. Yeah. I was wondering. Yeah, like what if it just comes off and then because you have a small penis or something, and and then like the 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 chick like blames you for taking it off during sex and it's like yeah i don't know how would they determine that what if she's got like a piercing and it gets caught in the piercing and just like unravels go. on the retract <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden now you're you're committing sexual battery and you're like hey <laughs> it wasn't even my piercing i don't know how <laughs> i did this yeah she battered me with that piercing i don't know what let's talk, let's all just victim blame let's do <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i don't have any jokes for this other than how is this not a law already yeah right yeah wrong i just think because it, it would be so hard to enforce like how would you prove it like unless you had a video of the dude like reaching down there and, pull, <laughs> and pulling it off like it's With, like real sly music and he's like twirling <laughs> his mustache a little bit and looks around and yeah yeah unsheaths <laughs> uh dan we'll get into your your comedian here that you said inspired you uh to do comedy i think i i i didn't i've never seen kevin smith stand up but it makes sense that kevin smith would be one of your influences because you are into comic books and whatnot and you actually made your own comic book um that's 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 what I got from it, but that's not why he's your inspiration, right? Well, not not completely. Yeah. I like I love Kevin Smith, and I would say he's become more of a comedian lately, like over the past couple of years. Like he did, um, oh god, I forgot what the name of the special was, but it was filmed right before he had his heart attack. Like he filmed the show and then had his heart attack. Um, but he would do these, um speaking arrangements at universities and then eventually went to theaters and stuff. I loved, I didn't know Kevin Smith was till I was 18. I, I, uh, my buddy asked me if I wanted to go see clerks too. And I was doing something and I asked him how the movie was. And he's like, we're going back tomorrow. Or I'm like, shit, this must be a really funny movie. If we're going to see it twice in a row. Yeah. So I went with him, and I thought it was great that I went back the next day and he was like, well, he makes all these other movies. So I watched clerks and then, and then I watched dogma. I was telling somebody I work with, I was like, yeah, I, I saw this uh, this movie, um, Clerks 2, and then I watched the first Clerks, and I watched Dogma. And he goes, well, you need to watch Mallrats and Chasing Amy. So I, um, he lent me those DVDs, and I, I took them home, and I watched them. And I just I fell in love with his movies and then found out, like, oh, this guy actually does uh, speaking things. And I watched An Evening with Kevin Smith probably like a hundred times. And he's just a guy in jean shorts and a hoodie. And, you know, I wear, I was wearing jean shorts and I was wearing hoodies. Um, <laughs> and he's talking about Batman. He's talking about comic books. He's talking about movies. And I'm like, these are all the things that I love. And this is going to sound really awful when I say it like this, but it 
I've always wanted to do stand up. And one of the things that, that clicked with me, I was like, there's nothing other than the way his brain thinks special about this guy that yeah. can't be achieved without hard work. And that's kind of the message that he gives out to people too. It's like, you know, there's no reason for you to not chase after your dreams. It was like, uh, he was like, look at me. He's like, I made clerks for $28,000. Yeah. You know, and, and now you can do that kind of stuff on your phone, like better yeah. quality actually. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love, I can't say this enough. I love Kevin Smith and my only goal, my only goal in life now at this point is to get enough people to watch dry bar for me to somehow wind up in the same room as Kevin Smith. I don't even care if it's a fucking target. I just want to be in the same room as Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. So I can tell him when an inspiration he was to me and tell him that, you know, I, I do what I do because of him. And then hopefully he turns around and goes, you know what? You are one handsome devil. I could put you in a movie. Um, <laughs> but that second part doesn't necessarily need to happen. <laughs> well, we'll listen to this clip and we can talk about it afterwards. This is uh, this is Kevin Smith. I think this is from, it looked like it was from like a Comic-Con. Or, or it was, um, are you talking about the, the clip that I sent you? Yeah, yeah. It was from his special Kevin Smith Burn in Hell, okay. which is after he was getting protested by the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, okay. All right. So this is uh, this bit's called "Take Your Shot," Kevin Smith. Oh my God! In this world, where even a good man like my old man is going to die screaming, there's no point in not trying to achieve every fucking dream that I have. This is my eventual end. One day, that's it. And and I really felt like, man, that's like. Uh, this, I can't, I, I, this is my future. We're all probably going to go out screaming. So the best thing to do prior to that is to try to pack that life with as much wonderfulness, fun, productivity. Surround yourself with people that are going to fucking help you do that. You know, because in this world, there's not a lot of support. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of fucking cynicism. Even as I sit here and tell that story about my fucking father dying, I guarantee you there's a cynical head in this house, maybe more, sitting there going, who cares? Move on. Tell a dick joke. The world is full of fucking why, man. You tell people something, they'll tell you why. Throw a rock and you'll hit somebody with why. Like, hey, man, I want to make a movie. Why? Why do you think you could do that? Why? Why? Nobody else is doing it. Why are you doing it? There's so much fucking why. You go out and you find why not. You surround yourself with why not. People are just like, why not? Where you're like, hey man, I'm going to try something. Like, all right, why not? Let's give it a shot. People will try to help you do your dreams, make your dreams come true and shit. And you do the same for fucking them. We're all in this together. And it costs nothing to encourage a fucking artist. That's why I get up here for almost 20 years now after the movie, man. There ain't a lot of filmmakers get up after the movie and spend more time than the movie itself talking. But I've been trying to impart one simple lesson for nearly 20 fucking years. Anybody can do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't born into a business or the film business or born with a mic in my hands. I have no fucking discernible talent whatsoever, man. I have no connections to the business. We're from fucking New Jersey and stuff. I got lucky. Somebody picked up the movie and boom, I was off and running. And part of that manifest when you're in, in, brought into the indie film community, part of your, 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 job, part of your honor, part of your privilege is to make sure that keeps going, to encourage other people, you know, to tell people it's worth the shot. Just like Wayne Gretzky said, like, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. It's always worth the fucking shot. Now, if you're talking about, like, if, if what your shot is, is you're like, I've always wanted to kill 12 children, Kevin. 
don't take that shot at all. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. You know, I'm talking about artsy shit. You know, writing a blog, fucking making some music, making a movie, making a fucking cupcake store, fucking a knitting store, fucking putting together a, a YouTube clip, just anything that's just not fucking, oh, we must do this because it's part of my job or this will get money. Some shit you just do just to see if it could, could be done. Live a why not life, man, because we're all going to die fucking screaming. So make sure... When you die screaming, you're totally fulfilled. You're like, I took all the shots. I did it. I, I went after everything I wanted to, or at least tried. Take the shot. The shot is always fucking worth taking. Whether it's a dopey thing like fucking podcasting or writing a book or fucking writing a blog. Think about the encouragement you get. When you encourage an artist, think about the potential that comes out of it. You tell a dude, good job, man. That person maybe one day writes that blog that you meme out to the entire world because it says exactly what you always wanted to say but couldn't yourself. Or they write that fucking song that you play over and over after a loved one fucking dies because it means the world's... They make that fucking movie that is the one you cling to when everything is going wrong in life. Oh, you pop that in and fucking things aren't bad for two hours. All that comes from encouraging an artist. Nothing good comes from discouraging an artist. So for fucking 20 years, I keep coming up here and going, go out and do it. Why the fuck aren't you doing this? It's so fun. You should fucking do it. Take your fucking shot. I took my shot and it's nothing but pussy and donuts, you know? Just... <laughs> so I'm here to tell you, man, give it a shot. Go out and try. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was a little Tony Robinish. Um, <laughs> now he is he is uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite directors, and uh, he's, all of his films are fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, man, that's a good message <laughs> to send out to people. I mean, that's it's true. Yeah, we're all gonna die screaming. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's like you said, he's he doesn't have anything special about him. He just did what he wanted to do and it worked out for him, you know? Yeah. And, and he found people like me and I believe you just said you were a fan of him. He found people like us that yeah. love his movies. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for clerks three. It's- I can't <laughs> wait for it either. Oh my yeah. God. I ran out and um, I was so mad. I wasn't able to go with my buddy to Columbus to go see uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, Cause he, he got the tickets to go to it and you got to do a meet and greet with, uh, with Kevin Smith and, and Jason Muse. Yeah. And I was so mad. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, we're doing this. And my wife was like, you can't do that. We got this, this day. I was like, motherfucker. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, do you have anything that you want to promote before we get off here? Other than your dry bar special, everybody check that out for sure. That- um, October 14th, uh, the dry bar special comes out. I don't know what time they plan on releasing it, but you can use promo code Dan Brown and sign up for a free month uh, on the dry bar comedy plus app. Uh, other than that, um, I got my podcast, Mark and Dan meets world where every week we talk about a different episode of boy meets world. And we throw in some fun <laughs> stuff yeah. like, um, I, uh, I'm trying to think what what day is it right now? I apologize. We're at the 14th. So. Yeah, this will come out Tuesday. So Tuesday. Okay, so on this Thursday when the episode comes out, we're talking about season three, episode four, um, which I totally don't even have. Which so that is we we record so many in advance, um, but because uh, uh, God damn it, what's his name? I can't remember. Uh, the guy who played Frankie uh, yeah. was also in uh, um, Mall Rats. In, in the episode that we just reviewed, um, Topanga calls him a mall rat. It's like kind of a an Easter egg type of thing there. So we huh. decided, fuck it. Our next episode, we're talking about mall rats. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, so we do that. Um, 
other than that, if you're listening in Indianapolis, uh, myself, Jesse Pimpinello, will be there for the Action Comedy Nerd Show at IndianaCon this weekend. And if you're in uh, the Beachwood area on October 29th, I am featuring at Bogies in Beachwood. I think it's at the Doubletree Hotel. Cool. They're back open, huh? They are. Yeah. Cool. Good for Kirk. I'm really happy to see that he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Hell yeah. Well, uh, and check out, Dan, where can people get your uh, comic book if they want it, other than just seeing you out? You would have to go to my website, danbrowncomedy.com, because I do not have an online store. Um, Or send me an email to uh, comediandanbrown at gmail.com, and I will get that shit over to you. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'd always check Dan out if you see him him on a show somewhere. He's one of my favorite comics in the area. Um, Thank you, Matt. Yeah, uh, Brandon. And we got our show in Amherst. How, how can I forget about that? We oh, got our yeah, show in yeah. Amherst on October 23rd. All right. Yeah, the uh, VFW, Amherst. It is a VFW, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, Brandon and I have a show in Columbus, October 22nd, at the Pretentious Barrel Room, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Pretentious it. Pretentious Barrel Room, that's with Austin Robertson and a couple other people from Columbus. So that'll be... That'll be a good time. And then I'm on Bill Squire's show October 28th at High and Dry in Tremont. So come out and check that out. Brandon, do you have anything else to promote? Uh, yeah, as usual, come out to Grindstone every Friday at 9. That's what we do. Um, and check out the Crowdwork show at the Funny Stop. Uh, Drew Miller posts that one yeah. uh, every Thursday. Yeah, it's a fun show. I'm usually on it. It's it's, yep. it's uh, five minutes from my house, so I usually stop up and do that. You may want to try to get booked at another comedy club to uh, promote the crowd work show, and Drew will give you one hundred dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, I would, but <laughs> only if guy, I don't show up. Yeah, I would, but that guy definitely knows I hate him, so it's yeah. <laughs> that's never gonna happen. Uh, I just love the level of petty. I just I love it. I can't get enough of her petty comics. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is pretty sad. Um <laughs> But uh yeah, I think that's it, man. We got it. Oh yeah, guys. Thanks for thanks for coming on, Dan. Much thanks for having me, guys. It. Yep. Brown Petri Dish is created by John Brown and Brandon Petrie. Logo designed by Brian Gallagher music by jared bailey audio version of the podcast is produced and edited by john brown video youtube version produced and edited by harrison pools